0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This is the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. Jeff and I are honored. To be joined today by a former UCLA alum. We didn't get one of the famous guys. We didn't get one of the great players. Uh, but maybe we got what one do you of the really? You can get. We got. We have Sean Farnham, uh, oh ESPN. Okay, <laughs>
2: listen. I, I'm
1: gonna. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna
2: take a little bit here, okay? Because I'm just saying, saying you didn't get one of the all-time greats at UCLA is completely accurate. That is indisputable. That is <laughs> objective. That is not subjective. All right. But saying that I'm not famous, that, right. that I, you know, I mean, I am on TV almost every single day, Rob.
3: That's right. You Barnum are, is famous. Mark. I can attest. You are recognizable. Back. I
2: have a food named after me in Spokane. How many Bruins have foods named after them in, in other locations in the country?
1: Okay, can you exp- – so you have food named after you? Talk, talk me through how you made this happen at the Davenport, right? He, he, yeah, he, he paid off. Them,
3: he paid them off.
1: I did not,
2: Jeff. That's something you would do. I'm a man of virtue. Uh, okay. So earlier this year, uh, they announced that they're naming this spicy shrimp flatbread uh, after me in Spokane, Washington. They named it the Farnham because I love it. And, and the Davenport Hotel, I don't know if you, I know Jeff has stayed there. I don't know, Rob, if you've ever been up there or not.
1: I've never been up, me, there. It became, up
2: there. To me, it became my version of Cheers for if you're old enough to remember that show where everybody knows your name. And I've covered so many Gonzaga games in the last 11 years that I would walk in the lobby and Robin or Jen, who worked at the Safari Lounge, would look over at me and go, you want the usual? And I'd say, yes. And I'd check in, drop my bags off upstairs, come back down. There's the spicy shrimp flatbed with my beverage of choice. And I would eat it and it just became my thing. And so I always used to kind of work the spicy shrimp flatbread or the Davenport into the games because it literally felt like home. And you guys know as much as we travel, if you can find a hotel that treats you like that, you're like I'm I'm good. Like I don't get paid. I don't get upgrades. I don't get free spicy shrimp flatbread. Uh, It's always just been something that that I absolutely loved, authentically loved, and then they named uh, the spicy shrimp flatbread after me uh, this year. During the course of a game, I forget which game it was exactly because I lost my mind. It was like a forty-point blowout. I want to say it's San Francisco at San Francisco uh, for Gonzaga, and uh, they announced that that they are going to name it after me. And I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It was it blew me away. They've got my picture on the menu, uh, and even better <laughs> is you that – your picture on the menu. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. So even better though is I called up their marketing director and I was like, hey, listen, what if we, for the month of March, donated proceeds to Coaches versus Cancer? Uh, I'm on the national board of of Coaches versus Cancer. And uh, obviously, Jeff, you know my fight with my my father-in-law and everything that that I've gone through, losing him, uh, and how much I'm involved with the V Foundation, trf.org, which is the Imagine Dragons Pediatric Cancer Foundation. If it's a cancer foundation... And, and it's reputable. I, I'm, I'm going to support it. And so I said, what if, what if we do something for coaches versus cancer? And they got back to me and said, how about 100% of the proceeds for any of the wow. Farnham flatbreads sold during the NCAA tournament? We will give you a check at the end uh, for coaches versus cancer. And so far, it's outselling every other flatbread on the menu by three times the amount. <laughs>
3: That's great. So That's awesome. I am
2: incredibly thankful cool. and humbled by the people of Spokane, Washington uh, that have gone and supported this uh and and yeah it's funny uh it's it's not normal but it's pretty damn cool to have your picture on a menu and and, and a food named after you
1: well I'll, I'll tell you this man like that's literally the dream is to be able to go to one place and actually have a food named after you uh Dick I was on here Dan Dick I was on here a while ago and he was telling us that uh, one of his uh, proudest achievements was having a beer named after him at one of the breweries in the area. But um, uh, both of those things are awesome. Like that's that's my dream, right? I want to be able to go into a place and be like, "Yeah, see that sandwich right there? That's named after me, the Rob Special." But, uh, <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not oh, cool Rob, enough. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not far enough.
3: Hey, by the way, by that. the way, it is it is uh, happy birthday to the ultimate uh, fool, for <laughs> Rob Oscar on April Fools. How about that? It's it's yep. so appropriate. That Doster's birthday is on April Fool's because uh, he's a clown. He's a complete clown. So,
1: yeah. You you see right there. There. I'm support I get here for him every day. It's the best. You,
2: well, it's Jeff. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. This is, and, and I'm going to railroad this thing again uh, because, I mean, this is Jeff Goodman who the other night tweets oh, out during the Alabama UCLA game oh, that good. we good. deserve to see Alabama play Michigan. Yeah. And no offense, he said. No offense, we deserve seeing Alabama play Michigan. And I retwe- I, I replied back to his tweet. I take offense to that. And <laughs> guess what? Last that on on the other night on Tuesday night, I called Jeff because I saw him sitting there at the end of the court, and I say, "Is it? Did we really deserve Alabama, Michigan, or did we deserve this magical moment for my UCLA Bruins? Come on, the disrespect." So here-
1: so oh, Farnum, right. real quick, I want you to take off the take off the ESPN suit and tie. I want to put you. I want you to put your UCLA jersey back on and talk to me about how how much fun this run has been as a UCLA alum, as a UCLA. Okay, we're fan. streaming this,
2: so I can take I can take twenty seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah go, go do. So it. You
2: guys talk about yourself. I'll be right back. Go tomorrow. ahead. Yeah, yeah, watch, bring, watch come watch back. Time. You're gonna love us. You're gonna love it.
3: Um, Farnum, it's crazy, Rob. So I've known Farnham the first time I think I ever. Dealt with Barnum. He was he was doing a radio show. Back
1: oh no! Look at this. All right. Oh,
3: there you I'm go like Letterman jacket. What is that? What that is?
2: Better yet, this is my UCLA Letterman jacket. There it is. There it is. So I go. will definitely put this on right now for this conversation. Then I'll take it back off again. We then uh, we're using this uh, during the slam dunk three point competition. We're doing like an old school like rep your school Danny Manning's got a bunch of Kansas stuff they got a bunch of UCLA stuff for me uh so they asked me to bring this so uh I didn't I didn't necessarily believe that I was going to be sitting here w- getting ready to watch my Bruins in the final four with it but uh I'm excited you should put your <laughs>
3: career points up against Danny's career points when they do the intros you know how they put like your resumes yes, we next should year? we
2: should I think I mean I'd be right there if you like minus 3, <laughs> of his points
3: <laughs> exactly. Maybe you can borrow a few or something. I, hey, I like was telling to borrow. you, you and I, I think we first met and first talked, right? I mean, it, was, it had to be like 15, 20 years, 15 years ago now, Sean, when you were doing the box yeah. show, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: we've known we each other on the Fox Sports time. Radio
2: yeah. with Chris Myers, and I used yeah. to come back here for the Final Four, uh, and then uh, you and I, you, you would come on as a guest uh, yeah. back in the day uh, on the show yeah. and, and, and talk college basketball with us. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how you and I met. Okay, so I got my, I took off my my ESPN analyst. I'm wearing my UCLA yep. jacket. Okay, yep. so go ahead, Rob. Where are we going with this?
1: Well, I just want to know, like, how, how much fun has this run been? I, I mean, the weird thing about this is it's UCLA, right? But it's also you made it from the first four, and now you're in the final four, second team to ever do it. So it's this weird uh, coming together of the most storied program in the history of college basketball while also being kind of like a little bit of a plucky underdog, so to speak. So how how is this one to It's It's not expected.
2: No, it wasn't expected, especially with the way they played in the final four games. Um, you know, I mean, they had leads in all of those games at like the 10-minute mark in the second half, and then they just crumbled defensively. And you were like, man, what is going on? Like, why can't they finish out games? And then you look back and you're like, man, do you realize UCLA lost the Pac-12 championship because they could not defend two out-of-bounds underneath? Mm-hmm. They couldn't They couldn't stop Stanford and Oscar De Silva with 0.6 seconds left, cut to the basket, layup. They couldn't stop Tajidi hitting the three-point shot in the corner to lose the game to USC. They win those two games. They won the Pac-12 championship. So that's how thin the margin was for them winning the conference championship and being the number one seed in the conference tournament versus being the fourth seed, losing to Oregon State in the opening round of, uh, in Vegas. Um, so you you sit there and you're like, man, I, just how disappointing. And then you're like, oh, man, they play Michigan State. They just beat two number ones and a two to get to this moment. I can't believe that they put Michigan State in there. They're physical. They play defense. And all of a sudden, you know, they're up double digits. And here come the Bruins. And you're like, wow, like we are we got a chance. And then you advance out of the first round of the tournament. And then I thought whoever was going to win the Michigan State UCLA game would beat BYU. I did believe that yeah. even though I saw BYU take Gonzaga um to the brink at least in the first you know they're up 12 at halftime on them the best the best half that we've seen played against gonzaga all season long and then when they won that game it was like okay who they got oh they don't they got abilene christian texas lost okay so that kind of opened up a little bit for them and then you're like okay well alabama look alabama won the sec regular season they won the conference tournament they they're not beating alabama alabama's defense they they're going to turn them over they're going to high pressure them they're going to make shots And then they win. And Goodman's all upset. And, you know, in that game, too, it's it's pretty amazing because you think when that shot goes down at the end of regulation, there's no Johnny Juzang. You got five more minutes. And they came out and they scored 23 points in five minutes. They exploded offensively in overtime. And I I was amazed with how they performed in that moment. And then against Michigan, I actually thought they matched up better with Michigan than they did with Alabama. And they they controlled that tempo. And I've heard a lot of narrative in the last two days. Oh, well, they, they you know it's too bad Michigan had to play without Isaiah Livers. Okay, right. that's right. cool. Right. It's too bad that Mick Cronin had to coach this entire season without Chris Smith. It's too bad that Jalen Hill isn't part of this team right now for personal reasons. It's too bad that Deshaun Nix, their number one recruit that they had coming in, went to play for the G League Ignite. That's too bad. So if you're Michigan – and you're upset, and you're like, "Well, if we had Isaiah Livers, we would have won the game." Uh, yeah. Let me put a pin in that, and just tell you this: If you played us in t- ten times, you're beating us at least eight, maybe nine of those times. But it didn't matter because you didn't beat us on Tuesday night. And the reason why they be- didn't beat on Tuesday night is again, oh, well, they didn't play well. Franz Wagner didn't play well. There's usually a reason why a team doesn't play well in the NCAA tournament. It's usually because of the opponent. It's usually what the opponents scout and the discipline that they show at the defensive end of the floor. And if there's one criticism you had of UCLA this year, it wasn't about what they were doing at the offensive end of the floor. It was about what they did at the defensive end of the floor. They were not a good defensive team. This NCAA tournament, they have become a much better defensive team, in particular with Tiger Campbell. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they lost those four games in a row heading into this, and it allowed Mick Cronin to put his thumb down a little bit on this team and say, guys, we tried it your way. We tried to outscore everybody. We're, we lost to Washington State, and we scored 74 points. That's a, we, It's about defense. You want to win in March, it's about defense. And the guys actually bought in. They're playing for him. They're playing for each other. Uh, Johnny Juzang is, is breaking records at UCLA. Literally, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the only player to score more points in their first five NCAA tournament games. He scored the same amount as Bill Walton. Like, I talked to his dad after the game the other night, and I was like, you know what? No matter what happens in your son's career, he will always be introduced, at least at Poly Pavilion, as the most outstanding player of the East Region in 2021 that led the Bruins to the Final Four. For the rest awesome. of his life, that's, what, that's that will awesome. be how he is announced. Pretty cool. And if you thought that after he transferred... From Kentucky then you know a lot more you you had a crystal ball you should go to Vegas and just be throwing money all around <laughs> on games because nobody saw that
3: coming all right so Sean um how much were you involved in the, the process when UCLA uh was hiring a new coach and it, it didn't go well I mean it's kind of like Indiana a little bit I think a lot of fans have these kind of crazy notions that you're going to get like Tony Bennett or Mark Few again, or or, or whatever, Jay Wright. And and it came down like Jamie Dixon, Rick Barnes, and then you end up getting Mick Cronin. And I don't know about you, maybe you were all in at that point, but I wasn't because I saw a guy from the Midwest that was all about defense, and I said, "Uh uh-oh, could this be Ben Howland 2.0? Well,
2: listen, I I, I did a lot of behind-the-scenes communication. Like The athletic department would call me and they'd say, hey, have you seen this coach? Have you uh, what are your thoughts on them as a coach? And I would I would just be very honest and give them my thoughts. Now uh, I will tell you that I was I was on team Mick Cronin before a lot of other people were on team Mick Cronin. Uh, I I saw him enough in Cincinnati and and I know Westwood well enough, obviously, guys, to to understand that, that what they needed coming off of Steve Alford was some toughness and some grit. Um, but Mick does it in a different way than Ben. Like, you know, the way the message is delivered um, and, and and both are obviously really good coaches. Ben is a tremendous coach. Look, people can say what they want about Ben's time at UCLA. He took him to three straight Final Fours. So if you take somebody to three straight Final Fours, you've done some really good things. And um, I, I think that we have to at least acknowledge that. But what Mick has done, I thought energy-wise, he would come in and, and ignite some energy into the program and he did it i mean look at what they did last year after a slow start in conference play they were a missed shot away from winning the the pac-12 conference last year i just mentioned they were two out of bounds underneath from winning the conference this year and in his first ncaa tournament he's won five games and put us in the final four against gonzaga so look at the recruiting that he's been able to do he gets in johnny juzang a transfer from kentucky he gets you know um Peyton Watson, who's going to come in next year, who's going to be a one and done talent in Westwood. Uh, you know they got Amari Bailey coming in in two years, the kid from Sierra Canyon, who, who's probably another one and done talent. Yeah. So, you know y- you're getting a lot of real positive play. Um, in the recruiting world and traction in Los Angeles to recruit the best players. And when UCLA's had success, you go back and look at those teams. They had a ton of kids from LA. Whether well, it was a Far- uh, Farmar, a Flalo, uh, it, Collison, Westbrook, it, it, it started with keeping those kids home and not allowing them to go to your university down in Arizona and Tucson, Jeff. Um, and I think there's a couple of things that work in, in mixed favor right now. One is that the the situation in Arizona is still not settled. You know, the notice of allegations are there. I know Sean gets mad that everybody talks about it, but it's still there. And when Arizona's right, they come into L.A. and they get like two or three of the best kids out of L.A. And they go to Tucson. And then UCLA gets two or three. Well, now UCLA has its pick of who it wants in L.A. And because they have the pick, uh, you know, it's going to really help Mick. It's going to allow him to maybe separate himself a little bit here from the rest of the conference and be able to keep that momentum regardless of what transpires, whether they clear Sean or they have to move on from Sean, uh, it's going to clear. uh, Mick Cronin will probably be out in advance uh, because his staff has done a tremendous job, really has done a tremendous job, evaluating and finding the right guys to play in his system. And by the way, to the question in the chat, has Sean Farnes sold all his Under Armour gear? Uh, I've been a Nike guy for about three years now, so uh, I I don't have any Under Armour gear from UCLA. (laughs) Uh, the thing that's
1: been really impressive to me about um, about the transition has not been – it's not like the physical toughness. Like when you think about the Cincinnati-McCronin teams, you think about teams that play kind of the way they did on uh, on Tuesday night, I guess. But it's been the mental toughness and what these kids have gone through in terms of, you know, losing Dacian Knicks and losing Christmas, like you mentioned, having rough starts to both seasons. Uh being able to bounce back from from the losses that they had down the stretch of the year, it's being down eleven at halftime to Michigan State and still finding a way to win like that. That kind of resiliency is something that I think um, stems from the the coach and the staff and, and what they want to build as a culture in that program. So that to me has been what's been really impressive about this program and, and kind of how it's gone under uh, under Mick. Like I, I don't think that they bounced back from some from some of those setbacks under the previous uh, coaching staff.
2: Well, they, they couldn't because they didn't they didn't want to play defense at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just such an offensive minded uh, philosophy and, a, and an idea. I'm just plugging my laptop and it's dying on me. Uh, but it was such a, an offensive identity um, that they they didn't they didn't want to defend. They didn't have the grit to defend. I mean, look at the game plan the other night it was brilliant. Uh, they they walled up on hunter dickinson and played him one-on-one they didn't bring the double and there was multiple times i was like damn we got to change up our coverage here because he was getting some good looks and he even scored a couple baskets in a row and i was like he's going to eat us up he's going to eat us up but the walling up was good enough and what it allowed them to do is stay at home at guys like franz wagner and there's a reason why franz wasn't comfortable it was a reason why he didn't get his clean looks It's a reason why on his drives there were bodies and arms in front of him because the ucla didn't double hunter dickinson they weren't chasing UCLA never got to a point uh, defensively where they were chasing the other night. Even when Michigan came back and took a one-point lead, I think late in the second half or with about eight minutes left to go in the second half, they hit a three, and I think took a one-point lead. You're like, oh my gosh, here it goes. Michigan's going to pull away a little bit here. And no, UCLA was like, oh, we're good. They walked the ball up the floor. They ran a couple double screens for Johnny Juzang and were like, Juzang, take us home. And and they did. Uh, And there was no mistake about who Mick Cronin wanted the ball in the hands at the offensive end of the floor. And there was no mistaking what they wanted to do with the defense. They they had a clear identity, and that clear identity is the reason why they still get to play uh, on Saturday against Gonzaga.
1: All right. So how they're do they beat Gonzaga? Yeah, give me give great. me the scouting port for what we would do in this matchup against Gonzaga. How do you beat them? It's not going to be easy.
2: Uh, if I was if I was them, I would go back and watch the 2019 WCC Championship game, and I'd watch Jordan Ford uh, and All right, Randy yeah. Bennett's uh, slow down pace and execution and defensively how they took away the paint how they this said go ahead and beat us by three listen gonzaga is not an elite level three-point shooting team they're not it's a fallacy if you believe that they are no, they uh, are one is a Corey right. kispert is a great three point shooter a great three-point shooter but the rest of the squad is just solid they're good three-point shooters they're not great um and I, I think, you know, you look at where the production comes. They, they're historically good in field goal percentage in, in, for two-point shots. They're historically good for points in the paint. Um, I, I think you, you go back and you watch what Randy Bennett did and said, okay, can we replicate that with our talent? Can we put, you know, Jaime Jaquez as the screener and have Johnny Juzang working that middle third of the floor and see if Johnny can hit that mid-range jump shot at the, at the elbow all day long and force Mark Few to have to change his coverage? Uh, against ball screen defense. Look, go back to the Oklahoma game. If Austin Reeves doesn't get in foul trouble, uh, that was a pretty good plan by Lon Kruger. I mean, we saw them get downhill and be able to score early in that game and have some efficiency with it. And I think that that's the area where I would want to see elevation of Drew Timmy uh, setting on ball screens, whether he's guarding Cody Riley or whoever he's guarding. Uh, and then you put shooters around the outside, and if they they start to pinch and, and show to try to stop Johnny Juzang, then I'd make Johnny the playmaker, and then he's kicking out to Jules Bernard. He's kicking out uh, to Jaime Hawkins on the outside, and, and you have opportunities uh, for them to close out defensively, shot fake, drive the hole, try to get them in foul trouble. But you've got to work in the late, last third of the shot clock. You've got to be ultra-efficient within that final third of the shot clock. You cannot turn the ball over because, as we saw the other night against USC, when you have seven turnovers in the first five minutes, the game was over. game was over in the first five minutes of the contest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can't do that. Uh, and, and I would say, listen, we're going to try to – you hit 10 and 12 threes. I'm going to tip my cap to you and say congratulations. But we are going to pack it in. We are not going to allow you to back-cut us. We're not going to allow you to play through Drew Timmy uh, and just pick us apart. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna just collapse to the paint and force you to take contested shots. And if you can get them to do that, and they have a cold night, it gives you a chance.
1: I love that you mentioned St. Mary's because my initial reaction was to go back and watch the first half of the St. Mary's Gonzaga game this year. W- then when they played in Moraga, when when St. Mary's basically what they did was they took twenty eight seconds off every shot, put some of the balls at the end of the block, and then just completely ignored offensive rebounds, sent all five guys back and said, okay, you're going to beat us in the half court. You're not going to get out and run on us. And, uh, and it worked. They were up. Well, they were up by like 14, I think in the first half. They were,
2: they were up. Uh, it's only one of two games where they trailed by double digits. Yeah. All the season. <laughs> Uh, The other one obviously was against BYU, but BYU is not a good game to watch. If UCLA watches BYU, they're not going to get anything out of that.
1: uh, (laughs) Make every shot that you take. That that was BYU's game. They shot
2: 69% in the first half. You knew it wasn't sustainable. And by the way, they still gave up 43 points in the first half, which means that Gonzaga was still on pace to score 90 in the game. And and UCLA is not going to score 90 points. So for them to have a chance, they have to keep this game down in the 70s at the very least. Uh, now on the season, nobody's kept Gonzaga under seventy-four points this year. So you, make no mistake about it, you're still going to have to score points. Um, right, right. But Which you, they, how you limit their opportunities, I think, is is the key. Uh, listen, I love my alma mater. I love that Mick Cronin has got them here. This this will be very difficult because the the problem for the Bruins is Mark Few is going to probably scheme to take Johnny Juzang just out of the equation, right? Uh, that would be what I would do after watching UCLA. And if you take Johnny Juzang out of the equation and you take, you know, cut his points in half. Look, Bruin scored 51 points. You cut his points in half. How do you how do you score enough points to beat them? You don't. And the problem for U- UCLA is you can't scheme just to say, okay, hey, we're gonna take Corey Kispert out of it, or we're gonna take Jalen Suggs out of it, or we're gonna take like you have multiple guys you have to worry about that if you don't know exactly how you're defending them and what you're doing, they're going to back cut you. They're going to hurt you. You're going to, they're, they're going to score with ease inside the paint. This offense, like this team for Gonzaga is, is the best passing team I've seen in a really long time in college basketball. And their body movement is even better. So it's not just ball movement, but it's body movement. They, they move the ball space, the floor, They cut, they move, they don't stand. They force you to have to defend. And if you watch the ball for a second, you're giving up a layup. You're giving up a layup. And that's what makes them so unique. And Joel Ayayi is the best reader of his defensive player in the country when you talk about movement off ball. I've seen it so many times this year when covering them. Like, And sometimes he misses the layup and it drives me crazy because he's wide open. And we've seen that in the tournament. But like, if you are defending him and he enters the ball down to Drew Timmy and you look, he's cutting. The second your head starts to turn to look at Drew Timmy, he's cutting for a layup. Uh, and that's what makes this team so dangerous. All right, I'm taking this jacket off. It's hot.
3: So, Sean, <laughs> um, no disrespect, uh, but we really need Gonzaga to win this game. I knew you would say that. <laughs> I
2: knew you true. would say that. It's true. I take disrespect to that. All right, well, You can take whatever disrespect you want. You know, the funny thing is, though, Jeff, like there's people like because the spicy shrimp flatbread thing, there are people that literally are like, you know, um, you should rename it because it's the Bruins versus the Zags this weekend. We shouldn't have it still be the Farnham just for the weekend. (laughs) And and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me describe it to you. All right. This is this is my blood child. UCLA. Right. And my adopted child, the team that I've covered more in the last 11 years than any program in the country. And and you know what? Sometimes children will fight, and that's okay. And as a parent, my advice would always be this remove yourself from the fight, let them figure it out. You can sit back and you
3: can be supportive to both yep. and enjoy the game.
1: Stepdad Sean. That's home. what I'm
3: gonna do. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, again, so I picked Baylor to win it all. Uh, preseason. You're wrong, but that's okay. No, and I may be. I may be. I listen, they got a, a much tougher game here coming up than, than yeah than they the do. Bags. They really do. That's the game, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's gonna be a war. And and if all right, let's say hypothetically, we do get what I think most people want, which is Gonzaga Baylor. Does Baylor have a chance if we get it? Yeah, of course
2: they do. Of course they do. Because I think matchup wise, uh out on the perimeter, uh, they have uh, a tremendous amount of, of versatility uh, and then size. And athletically, they match up extremely well on the perimeter uh, with Gonzaga. So I think that really helps them a lot in that game. I think it'd be – look, I, I, I've said this too. Remember the book, The, the Last Great Game, that was about the Kentucky-Duke game? They might need to rewrite a second version of that book if we get that game on Monday night. Honestly, I great. mean, like yeah. there's no doubt the two best teams in college basketball all season long are Baylor and Gonzaga. Now, I, again, I, I think Baylor's matchup versus Houston is going to be an absolute fight. I do not think it's going to be easy. Um, I think it's going to be extremely close game. I think as much as we're saying, hey, the matchup for the Gonzaga guards versus Baylor guards are good. Yeah. Like we have three, the arguably the three best backcourts in the country here in the Final Four. We talk so much about guard play and how guard play is really important. When you look at the numbers and you think about uh, Dejon Aldeguero. Uh, and you think of uh, Marcus Sasser and Quentin Grimes. I mean, they defend. They are physical. Um, they're
3: big, Giroux's big, ability they're big to pass. Spot. They're not long, but they're big in yeah, strong. Yeah, but they're men.
2: Right. They, they, they never let you – they haven't let any team feel comfortable so far in this NCAA yeah. tournament. Now, yeah. obviously, they've played nothing but double-digit seeds all the way through, and right. so that's going to be right. used against them. So how much of that is a byproduct of who they got to play? You can't fault them for who they had to play. It's not their fault. And they played Except the ac Cost.
3: They played the AC yes. all year also. You're right. Been so a while.
2: Now you're gonna step you're gonna step up in weight class here a little bit. Um and you're gonna take on Baylor. But I do think that the time between games gives them an ample opportunity to know exactly who they are, how they're going to play. Uh, And I think that they understand that they're, this team has never wavered on their identity Uh, offense and defensive efficiency ranking in the top 10 in both categories. But offensively, I think that's always been a limitation a little bit for me. I've always been a little bit concerned with their offense, Um, but I think defensively they're going to be very disruptive. I don't think they're going to let Baylor just step into wide open three-point shots and knock them down from the outside and go, "Oh wow, we didn't know they were a great three-point shooting team." I think they're going to make them feel really uncomfortable. I think they're going to hit them on the first possession. I think they're going Baylor's going to feel Houston at the at the offensive end. Baylor is going to know where Houston is defensively at all times. And yeah. can they knock them off their their line? Can they extend out the offense two or three steps away further out and change that angle of the pass? that has been a rhythm pass all year long for Baylor. And and I think that they can. And I, and I guarantee you that the coaching staff, and I guarantee you those players, they've been focused on that task ever
3: since they won their game. All right, well, listen, so we appreciate you jumping in, Sean. We appreciate it. We don't want to hold you up. We know you got got uh, places to be. You should probably go for a run out here. It's like 37 True. degrees today. It'll you test you. You act your- like
2: I haven't already – like, I already got my workout in. I already showered. Like, which I think is more than I can say for you, Jeff. Um, hey, hey Sean. Sean. there you go. Yeah, that's a
3: great <laughs> trick. If you get, gotta get you a Farnum flatbread, and we'll call it a day. get you a Farnham flatbread. Listen, I'll, I'll pay for whoever's ordering a Farnham flatbread today. Uh, I'll pay for ten of them. How's that? I'll pay for you ten. You put that on, on Twitter and Sean. Sean, on Twitter.
1: Okay. Goodman doesn't need any flatbread. You need. You need a, You need a salad named after you for Goodman. I do need a
3: salad. I do. I absolutely <laughs> need it. After being here for three weeks. I absolutely need a salad.
2: Okay. How many times have you eaten uh, at Harry and Izzy's? Uh,
3: three, three. Okay. How many times have you eaten at the uh, steak Shack? I haven't done the steak uh, the, the steak and sha- Shake or whatever. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. I've been good steak and shake right on the, uh, the corner here. You haven't done that one. No, there's like a, a, a fish, like a, a better, not a fast food fish place, but a, a good fish place that I've had a couple of lobster rolls from. Not bad. I mean, I'm a New England guy, and the lobster rolls here are on. pretty good.
2: You there. said fast food fish place. That sounds it's, like a disaster.
3: It actually was good. Like a disaster. It wasn't that bad. Listen, you got to do what you got to do these days. It's not like uh, uh, again, not like I'm eating outside here. Not not in 37 degrees. P- PJ Carlissimo
2: gave me a, the, a great Italian spot. It's out by Hinkle House. Mama Corellas.
3: Okay. All right.
2: So Maybe the slam dunk three point competitions out there tonight. I'm going to go out there. Uh, I'm going to try to pre-order, have it packaged up so I can just grab it and then eat it over at Hinkle Fieldhouse, nice. uh, which will be
3: good. Nice.
2: Well, listen, so, we before you go, we, we had
1: one question in the chat that I think you need All to right. answer.
3: What's that? All right.
1: Where does Kentucky stand among uh, Farnham's kids?
3: Farnham was an SEC guy. He was a yeah, big yeah. SEC guy for a while. We forget that.
2: Uh, about, the, about six years I was covering the SEC. Uh, you know, uh, during that period of time. Uh, certainly, you know, they were an adopted child, um, but I think they I think they went to court uh, and uh, they 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 had a separation from me. <laughs> 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 they they uh, they're like, we, we no longer want to be associated. No, uh, look, I, I thought my time in Lexington was was awesome. Uh, you know, and those were great years. I mean, I, look, I've been really fortunate at ESPN uh, to cover some really special, unique teams. I, I did the final game of Wichita State with uh, Fred. And Baker, uh, when they went undefeated, uh, and, and that was that was great to call that game in the roundhouse when they finished off the regular season there. That place was rocking that night. Um, I was there for the whole 2014-2015 Kentucky team uh, that went 38-1. and uh, Still, I think, in the modern era of what we've had, I think it has to be a team that will go down and be remembered as one of the great teams that we've had in college basketball uh, in, in a very, very long period of time, even though they came up short. Like, and, and I get that, they, that if they would have finished it off then we're talking historically great. Um, but I, I think in this modern era the last couple of decades it's still a special team that needs to be remembered especially for who they beat how they played throughout the course of the year uh, and the talent level that was on that team so special sp- special teams to be part of uh, just as much as this Gonzaga team is as well and i've heard I've heard the narrative by the way that that uh, you know well th- they probably wouldn't have gone undefeated in this conference or that conference this folks this is a global pandemic. It's a global pandemic. Mark Few has three players on the top 10 list for the Wooden Award. That has never happened in the history of the Wooden Award. Never happened in the history of the Wooden Award to have three on the top 15, let alone the top 10. The talent level is there. If you think this is just yesteryear's Gonzaga Bulldogs, gritty little team, like you have really not watched them this year. Jalen Suggs will be an all-star. He will be an all star at the next level. Corey Kispert is Joe Harris. Literally, they played for the same club, FOH, out of Seattle. But he's literally got Joe Harris written all over him. And Drew Timmy is a throwback to yesteryear's and has the best footwork of any big in college basketball this year. And oh, by the way, you're the best, you're the best is probably month a pro, too. Yeah, and I don't mind that. Uh, but Joel Ayah is probably a pro too. And, and then you have just, a, you know, Andrew Nemhard, who started 67 straight games at Florida. So if you think that this is just some small little team that just you know lucky you know and they play in a weak conference, which is why they've gotten here, you clearly did not watch their non-conference because every time they've lined up against a big, a big dog, quote unquote, big co- dog out of a big conference, what have they done to them? What have they, they done the to them? them? beating the hell out of who, them? Who, who, by the way, these. Be- was USC not playing the best basketball of any team in this tournament was up until that here's, game? Here's night.
1: what's crazy about that. Farnham. here's what's crazy about this. I, I I told Jeff this the other day. USC had the best two-point percentage defense in college basketball this season. Evan Mobley, the entire year, all he did was erase anything within 12 feet of the basket. And then he goes up and plays against Drew Timmy, and Drew Timmy just goes at him and scores on the post, drives right, spins back, finishes left. He had seven buckets in the paint. Uh, Gonzaga in the first half scored 30 points in the paint against USC. They had never given up more than 36 the entire season. Uh, they shot 62 percent from inside the arc in the first half against the team that didn't allow anybody to shoot better than that uh, all season long. It was they went at USC strength. What USC yep. does better than How anybody else? else College basketball, they and they beat their ass doing it. It was, it was. Uh, look, if you don't, if you think that this is just little old, podunk Gonzaga, it, you're not watching. You're not watching.
2: You yeah, yeah. yeah, haven't. Yeah, by the way, zero block shots.
1: Yes. Zero. It was crazy. I thought, zero. I honestly, like my my whole take on that game was like, well, you know what, Drew Timmy's going to have a lot of trouble with Evan Mobley inside. Nope. <laughs>
2: nope. And that's the other thing. I, I, yeah. I've heard that all season long. Oh, he's going to he struggle to score against length. I thought he he's would six, against Mobley. I thought he would. He's 6'10". He's not 6'10". He's, six, six,
3: he's not 6'10". Okay, he's 6'9". He's 6'9". He's 6'9". Fine, I'll give you six, six nine.
2: nine. That's not small. It's, oh. I mean, it's not small. It's pretty big at six nine. And by the way, how has he done against every other big that he has seen uh, uh, with length that he's seen all season long? He's destroyed him. He's averaging 27 points per game against Power Five conference teams this year. 27. Yeah. No. Like it, he averages he's, more he's... points against those teams than he does against Pepperdine just saying yeah
1: yeah Yeah. well it's also like the difference between a normal like really good defensive center and evan mobley like that that was my thing it was just it's evan mobley he's been so good all season long
2: i thought they would actually have isaiah on him and then bring evan over as a shot blocker uh from the weak side but the problem is when they go to that small lineup you're guarding Corey kispert so if you pinch in yeah on that on that uh, to try to block that shot, you're kicking out to a wide open Corey Kispert from beyond the arc. And that's that's the problem. That's the problem with how you defend Drew Timmy. And I think that's the biggest concern I would have for UCLA is how they choose to defend Drew Timmy uh, will determine uh, any level of success that they have. Because if they defend him wrong and they choose wrong, I think you have to give multiple looks. I think you have to change it throughout the course of the game. Because if you go with one, they're going to figure it out and then they're going to slice you up one way or another. If you if you wall up and you want to do the Hunter Dickinson defense, he's going to put you through the spin cycle. You're going to have your bigs in foul trouble. They're going to be sitting on the bench uh, and he's going to have 15 points in the first half.
1: All right, real quick, Warren, before we get you out of here, just give me your uh, your one-minute take on Baylor against Houston and how you see that playing out. Uh,
2: very. I, I'd say low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a game that's going to be played in the 60s uh, for both teams. I think it's going to be two possessions. Um, I, I do think Baylor's going to win um, but I, I think that it's. I, I think this is going to be an absolute fight. I think you're going to see a ton of fouls. I think you're going to see. Uh, it's gonna. It's not going to be a pretty game. It's not going to be a, a a picturesque game to watch. But it's going to be a. It's going to be phenomenal. It's like watching football in, in the in the snow, rain, mud, uh, veer offense. You're not. You're not. You're not dropping back and doing read option passing. You know your RPOs. You're 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 literally just running the veer and faking the dive, doing the pitch. And you've got great linebackers on the other side that are trying to shoot the gap. I mean, that's that's what we're going to see. And uh, I, I think that it, I think the shooting at the end of the day is better on Baylor's side, which is why I have them winning the game.
1: But I think it's going to be a great contest. I really hope that we have officials that let these guys play. I really, really do because I don't want to see, see a situation where it's like everybody that we want to see in this game has three fouls with 15 minutes left. Because that, I mean, with no, how that's what tough, you're going to see. That, that, that's, that's what that's you're what going to see.
2: You know, uh, I, I, I think this game will have a similar feel to Houston's game versus Texas Tech. Yeah. Correct. Go back to the Texas correct. Tech game earlier yeah. this year. Um, yeah. I thought that game was just, if you, especially the first half, Houston came out and absolutely punched Texas Tech in the mouth. Now, that was an early Texas Tech game, so that wasn't the same Texas Tech team, in particular at the defensive end that we saw later in the season. Uh, Mac McClung was still making his adjustment over, uh, but they, they came over, they punched Texas Tech in the mouth. And I thought, I think that's what we're going to see uh, on Saturday. I think that's the same mindset they're going to have is, is can we go out and can we just be overly physical uh, and and be the more aggressive team and hope that the whistles
1: uh, don't take us out of the game? Yeah. And the other thing is, I promise you both of these teams know each other very well because the Alvin Brooks, uh, the third and his dad, I guarantee both have watched each other's games. So they, 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 they definitely know each other very, very well. So it's going to, Easy it's going to be scout. fun to watch. It's yes, what we call easy an easy scout. scout. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh, when you're trying to scout Goodman. Just let him do whatever Hey Paul, he wants. Last, so he thing. To check. last
3: thing before we leave. Uh, Tony, Tony Stubblefield, Oregon assistant coach, has got the uh, DePaul head coaching <laughs> job. Uh, like it? Don't like it? What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I like it. I think he's done a tremendous job uh, under Dana Altman. Uh, surprised that Dennis Gates wasn't there uh I can get why Kenny Payne didn't come I mean he's once you get to the NBA I mean this is the kind of same adage as we talked about Brad Stevens over the last couple of weeks um you know once you're in the NBA like most of the time guys are like this is pretty awesome I love this I'm not going anywhere um and I think for Kenny uh as while he wants his own program I'm sure um the the fit right now with the roster they have with the Knicks and kind of that, the, the improving roster that they have, I think that bodes well for him to continue to gain experience there. Uh, that's going to benefit him whether he, he's a head coach uh, comes back to the college level or not. Um, but I, I was surprised Dennis Gates didn't get uh, get a better look from uh, Cleveland State. He had a tremendous year. Leonard Hamilton, assistant for a long time, um, but Stubblefield's done a great job uh, for Dana Altman. And uh, you, you follow his 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 lineage, and, and you can see he, he's been successful. Uh, I think he's ready for this opportunity. I think. For DePaul, they need life. They need life in that program. They need somebody to come in and, yeah. and re- be able to, A, recruit. Yeah. Stubblefield has done that in his time uh, at, at Oregon. Uh, I think you're going to see them hit the transfer transfer portal extremely hard and try to turn over the roster that way, um, at least in the in the initial stages. I think he'll take the same approach uh, that we've seen Dana take, where every year it's like a mixed bag of different goods and Kenny Kenny's stir it up and turn it into something uh, that is successful at the end of the season. And Dana's been incredible at that. Uh, So I'd anticipate that kind of same mentality as he tries to get uh, DePaul
3: relevant inside the Big East. Yeah, I just wonder – the only thing you wonder, Sean, is how much was it Oregon and Nike compared to – how much was it Tony Stubblefield recruiting? Could could you go out to Oregon and get some of the same players – because you have the backing. And is he going to have the backing at DePaul? It, obviously, it's not going to be the same. We know that. Um,
2: transfer market's different, though, Jeff. Transfer market true. is different. Because yeah. what you're selling you're is right. an ideal. An ideal of a role. An ideal of exposure. An ideal of an opportunity. Uh, that maybe they felt like they weren't getting somebody somewhere else, which is why they put themselves in the transfer market. And when you have a roster, you're, you have a roster, basically, that you're like, um, nobody's safe. You come here, you're going to play. Yeah, I, I you're going to play in the Big East right away. I think that is. I think that's that's something that would entice a lot of people to at least take a look, uh, and then it's then it's up to you to close the deal. Uh, you and know I, I think that's to? why the transfer portal is going to be the key.
3: Yeah, and he'll have to hire a better. He's he's keeping Tim Anderson, a really good recruiter yeah. on their staff with Paul, but he'll have to hire a, You know, same with any of these assistant coaches that get head jobs in Power Five leagues. You you probably got to hire a veteran guy. Maybe your boy Lav will go with him.
2: Lav, I, I don't think Lav's going for the assistant role. I think Lav's going to yeah. wait to try to see if he can crack into the WCC at some point in time.
3: I I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Whatever uh, out there on the West Coast, I think Lav would uh, would like to stay in the the good weather. Uh, I don't if think Santa, handle- if Santa Clara was to
2: open up in the next couple of years, I could see Lav trying to go get that
3: job. Yeah, you and Lav are a little soft. I don't know if you can handle the Midwest full time. Uh, Jeff, I, I I work in Bristol, Connecticut frequently. It's <laughs> chilly there. only 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 a segment of time, and we know you go from uh, the Marriott to
2: no uh, DoubleTree and double nowhere. Tree. I DoubleTree campus yeah, campus. Double tree. What are you doing? Double you got to get the Marriott
3: points. I mean, this is this is this is a rookie. Jeff, goal. you know they give
2: points at the Hilton too. They do. They do. They, they, they give right. out points at most hotels nowadays. Listen,
3: what I want you to do when when we get off. Uh, here I want you to to tweet out uh that I will I will be giving away 10 free uh Farnham flatbreads today or for the rest of the tournament and uh you let me know uh where to send them I mean that for for I'm going to tell them to direct message you whatever whatever it is however it is however I got to pay for them Um, but but Put it out there. I'm in. Mean, I love it. Uh, how and, much and, there, you
2: guys know, I mean, listen, listen, Jeff, you know, in particular, you were, you were around me, uh, when my father-in-law was passing and how important he was to me. Yeah. Um, and to, to watch him go through 14 years, seven different trial meds, uh, just to try to live long enough for his grandchildren to remember who he is. Uh, I, I've never seen a warrior that strong before with my own eyes. I, I sold my house. I moved into his house to help take care of him. Um, and he is, uh. He is and will always be a great warrior in my eyes. And I was lucky enough to see that fight and that grit. And now my fight and my grit is to try to help make sure that those trials get finished written so that hopefully one day um, someone else's family doesn't have to experience the same pain uh, that my family had to experience and see over 14 years. Uh, And that's why the fight against cancer is so important to me. That's why I'm so grateful for the Davenport Hotel um, for, for this partnership. Uh, and, and Lon Kruger, who we just lost uh, as a coach in, in college basketball has been unbelievable with the coaches versus cancer golf tournament that he does in Vegas. I've, I've been a part of that now for seven years. Um, it's, I love the fact that so many people do so much. Uh, so I appreciate the 10. I'm going to make sure people get to know, know that and hit you up on direct message, uh, for Spokane. And, uh, guys, I appreciate the opportunity just to come in and talk college basketball. It's a great time of year. I'm shocked my Bruins are still here. I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate and love every single moment of this thing uh, because it was so unexpected. Uh, but I appreciate you guys and, and talking hoop always is is always fun, especially college basketball. And, and I love the platform you guys have created. Thanks for Thanks all. Coming around for We'll see you soon.